0: What if I told you that being in the right place at the right time was not a circumstance of luck? What if I told you it's a skill that you could learn and leverage to achieve your goals and dreams? This is the Right Place Right Now podcast with Travis Fields
1: and Brandon Johnson. Kevin Bernardos had childhood dreams of performing on Broadway. He even began to pursue those dreams, getting a degree in musical theater. After college, however, he came across a unique opportunity that would take his life in a vastly different direction, a job post for a circus ringmaster. At age 22, he became the youngest ringmaster in the history of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus. While Kevin loved his work as a ringmaster, he knew there was something more for him in life, so he set off to create a show of his own. In 2014, the Bernardo Circus, or as Kevin likes to call it, the Little Circus That Could, was born. In this episode, Kevin discusses the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, following your passions, and what it means to live your circus dream. I'm so excited for you guys to hear from the visionary, owner, and ringmaster of the Vinardos Circus, Mr. Kevin Venardos.
0: Welcome to the circus, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we have Kevin Venardos on the show, and you're joining us from the front of a pickup truck. How are you, sir?
2: I'm doing great. I'm actually inside of this... uh little flatbed 350 that pulls a concessions trailer and i've come down here to austin where it's been in storage and i'm about to drive it back up to colorado where we're going to play six weeks at three different locations one of them is fh beerworks brewery which i am super excited to uh to share with certainly you guys in your community
0: too yeah good plug already i heard that place is <laughs> awesome you get <laughs> fast doing it all the time great plug great plug so Tell us, you said we're putting on shows. What does that mean? What is it? What do you actually do? Well, uh, it's a circus. It is a special and unique circus. I started
2: out making a performing, actually, with a musical theater degree, if you will. I was in in New York trying to get on Broadway when I got a job from an open call audition as the ringmaster of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth, which was an absolute odyssey of an experience. And I met people from all over the world. It really changed the course of life. And many years later, many ups and downs, lots of downs, but lots of ups too. Uh, I decided that I was going to start my own very tiny thing. Uh, When I started, the the name of my LLC is The Little Circus That Could. And I, I I have this feeling, I had this gut that I wanted to do something, but I just didn't know what the world wanted to do with it. And I started by making a little video to pitch this idea for a circus that I did not own any of the equipment of. I had like, I was almost penniless still at this time after still working for many people. Uh, so everything that I did to build this circus that's coming to Colorado now, uh, we did through hard work and relentlessness, relentlessly uh, trying to find ways to use this thing that I love to do that I had spent almost 20 years performing in other people's shows uh, to sell the concept. And so we started as a tiny fair attraction in 2014 at the Pomona, the LA County Fair in Pomona. But over the course of the years since then, we built it into a 45 week, almost 30 venue uh, national tour that goes from Miami to Tacoma and all kinds of places in between. Colorado is a jewel that I've always wanted to visit. And this is gonna be our first time in the state of Colorado. But the circus itself is a 60 foot by 90 foot, two king pole, Whole tent. It's red and white striped, fits about 350 people inside there. There's a raised stage in the center, and there are incredible acts that perform on that stage aerialists, acrobats, uh, lots of comedy. I love to laugh. Daredevils, and uh, these musical numbers. I grew up near Broadway and always loved singing and dancing. That's what I did on the Ringling Show as the ringmaster. So I, I just I found a way to make the circus the way that I dreamed of wanting to do it. And uh, it's just been built one stop at a time one community at a time the the real reason we have been able to sustain a uh, a a tour where we're playing two or three weeks at 30 different venues in a year's time uh is because we find places where they're looking and striving to bring community together you know some places you might go and you you think yeah let's play new york city they got billions of people there uh they'll all come out to the circus well that those cities, the huge ones, are often filled with so many different options, and it's so difficult to really connect emotionally with the community. So smaller towns for us, you know, maybe somewhere between 25,000, 100,000 people, those are perfect because we are able usually to pair with a local business where we set up the circus next to their their location, and our advertising and all the effort we put into bring people to come out and see our show. It helps our, you know, the people we're working with. They, people show up and they're double fisting uh, chicken sandwiches and beers in the case of brewery. And so it works out to be this really symbiotic thing. Uh, and then we, the real dream is to come back every year to those cities to make it a tradition. These are a lot of big ideas that it's one thing to flap your gums about this stuff, but it's a very different thing to actually get in front of that community and have those children and adults, by the way, this show is for everyone. It's not just for kids. It doesn't pander to kids, but it's appropriate for kids. I really just wanted to make a great show. And then the idea is when, when they have experienced that, they sat in the tent for a couple hours and they laughed and there's 300 other people that they live nearby that all experience that thing together. They have a wonderful time. And the real magic happens when we've come back for the second and the third and the fourth year because it becomes not an event anymore. It is a tradition. It is something where people remember they were just starting high school when they saw it the first time or their kid was just born and now they're four years old or whatever it is. That is really where I know that my big dream of making this circus a reality has actually worked. And I got fortunately or at least hopefully i have lots of years left to follow that dream down the road uh, and i'm hopeful that i'll have the chance to do it but uh, that's that's just a little slice of what it is
0: so you so you're the owner operator of this business but you're also the ring master you you perform as well
2: it is harry by the way I mean, I'm, I'm sure that travis must know like if you're the guy signing the checks and you're also the one that's like working the tap and and uh you know you're on the floor with people I I hope that it's it's not unnerving to people. I, I really, I know that this tiny tent experience that I want to give people, if the people who are making it happen, the cast, the crew, are not like having a great time themselves, the audience feels it. They may not be able to know exactly what's going on, but they feel what's going on. And so building a culture among this small group of people where people feel supported, they feel like they're part of something special, that they're valued, what they're doing is bringing something valuable to, them, and then we let them know that. Then they're so much more apt to. They see that 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 rope's out of place over there, or that piece of trash on the ground. They they start to take ownership in their own way of this environment that we build in, in this company together. And only in that way, where where that teamwork exists, that 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 culture exists, uh, are we going to be delivering the kind of experience that I really want to. Which ultimately, I want people's. I want to touch people's hearts. I want them to have a fantastic time, see something absolutely amazing and laugh their butt off. But in the end, I want them to see a living example of what is possible when you follow your dream beyond the points where it is painful and difficult and impossibly seeming. And, and you get through to that point where you get to put it in front of people. That, that is, uh, that's not easily done. It really is not. So I have, with each year, I have greater appreciation for each of these small businesses that we're working with in their various places, and how hard they work to, to get, you know, to build their dreams. Uh, and the one thing's for sure is we, we don't do anything great on our own. Always great things happen by working together. So I'm, this just makes me even more excited to come to FH Beerworks uh, here in August. It's coming up, man. It's
1: coming up. Yeah, it's coming up soon. I'm I'm excited to have you too. I think it's going to be I mean, we we always talk about how do we be innovative and how do we put stuff on for people that, again, like creating that community that nobody else is doing. How do we think outside the box with our entertainment and with our offerings? I think we nailed it on this one. <laughs> we,
2: yeah, I'm I'm super. I'm gonna the, the beer garden is gonna be right next door there. So after we finish our show, all of the circus cast probably is gonna come over and chill and have food and drinks and hang out with you guys. And we're probably gonna all get to know each other. Hopefully, you'll you'll still want us to be there after a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you talk about creating community and yet you're only in a community for two weeks at a time. That's gotta be difficult. How do you, how do you approach that need to create community in a, in a traveling situation where you're not even in the community for, you know, long-term?
2: It's a very good question. Um, if you, if you look at the circus of the past and the way that uh, they're routing and how long that they would stay in a date for, uh, Recently, it might be for a week, like a Wednesday through Sunday. But traditionally, or, or if you look back further in time, well, maybe for a day, the circus is there for a day and then it's gone. And for sure, publicity and marketing were have always been part of the lead up to getting people excited to come and see a thing, just from a strictly sales point of view. But we, in addition to all of the storytelling we're doing, you know, that connects with marketing, uh, obviously our, our social network and. we're able to continue to stay in touch with people throughout the year we're super empowered by the way that people stay in touch with us on facebook on instagram uh they're they're participating in the story uh for the time that we're actually on the ground there we are actively reaching out to boys and girls clubs we're looking for uh, people that are organizations that are striving to do good things either not-for-profits or other small businesses we we might march in a parade. We might participate in some other event. Uh, we might go out. I mean, some of our marketing partners—it's more than marketing. It's you know you want to sell beer at your brewery, of course, but people aren't really buying beer, even if it's awesome beer, even if it's the best beer in the world. They're buying it because they give you give them a feeling of being part of something. That that the reason why you made that beer or why that that special. Uh, a special brew that you made for this particular reason or a cause or something like that or just why you why you do what you do in the first place and you know it's not about me or or even why i do it that connects with people it's but it's it's how my why connects with their why that that each of us are all striving to to feel a part of something that we're connecting with something that we believe in that's supporting something that we want to make the world a better place and so sharing our story with people, <laughs> I think that people, certainly we spend those two weeks with them. And many times people come back multiple times to see the show. I mean, when you see it, when you get in front of it, it's not just about the acrobatics and the, the performances on the stage. It's about the feeling that people get when they, are, they see that tent right there. Oh my God, what is that? And they wanna go inside and they get to know us and they see all the work that goes into making it happen. And it really does something, my experience, I mean, I can only look to my experience to to share what I think about why people feel that way. But we do our show. And then at the end of the performance, we invite the audience to actually come up on the stage a group at a time and take a photo with the cast. And I I don't recall, but for a couple uh, people, maybe there's a screaming child that needed to be done at the end of the show. But that whole audience, like 99% of the time, they wait like sometimes 45 minutes just to get a chance to come up and take a picture with us
1: on the stage because, because they wanted to, they want to remember that memory. Yeah. Cause you, you showed them a good time and an experience. Yes. I hope also that they see in us that,
2: that which was magical in what they witnessed on the circus is something that lives in their hearts and in what they do. And that because this tiny uh, relentlessly pursuing our dreams, little group of people managed to make this thing happen in front of them on this performance on whatever night they happen to see it, that they, they too, whatever challenges that they're facing, that they could meet the challenge of their own dream. And I think people connect with that. I, I put on all of my posters and everywhere since, since I can remember, uh, live your circus dream. I really wanted to find a phrase that actively told people, encouraged them to do the thing that they want to do. Because so many voices seem to imply that you have to live your life a certain way or that that you have no chance to do that thing that you love. So you got to choose something that's more more practical, more within the realm of, uh, you know, your skill, well-meaning Loving people, your parents or teachers or other people along the way, they say things to you sometimes that that make you think that you have to live within that vision. But instead, what I've discovered and what I believe in my heart and what I wish that my little circus is a beacon that shines light on the idea that you can build the life that you dream. You just have to ask yourself, how bad do you want it? how much pain are you willing to endure to get there and if you really do want it that bad you can get through any hardship and no matter how many times you land on your ass you are going to find a way to stand up again it sounds like you're gonna sorry i mean to interrupt you
0: no no interruption i i just wanted to get into that a little bit deeper because your passion your energy and your excitement for this is absolutely undeniable (laughs) like it's it's something that is hard to express and you're able to do it through this conference call which is it's beautiful and it's exciting me about the show and I'm not in the, the springs and I'm a little bit upset about it so I'll have to find a local one but what I want to ask is 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 that something that's always been a part of you or is it transferable to other things because I hear you talk about your community and giving back and the circus with this much energy and passion but is that been who you were as a kid or did you just stumble into these things and figure that out over time
2: i think that we start with our circumstance and and our natural abilities i think also a lot of what shapes us are the winds that are blowing against us um for me it started with bullies on the playground, if I really look back that far. I was really, really slim, I had uh, really thick glasses. And uh, I suppose if I if I reacted to those bullies or to my cohort and school kids in a different way, I might've been able to ward them off. But I started out as a kid who I felt like a victim a lot when I was a little kid and I didn't really, I wanted to be loved, I wanted to be accepted. And I, I definitely, I wanted to get along and connect with these other kids, but something about me at that time made me an easy target for people who wanted to pick on. And I I can't blame, uh, bullies entirely for that. I'm sure that, you know, now in the fullness of time, I look back, I'm sure it's so much of it is how I was perceiving it at the time and what I was doing with that energy that's coming at me. But I would definitely say that bullies and that theme of, uh, being, being, made to feel small (laughs) for a variety of circumstances. I'm sure that's one of those energies that ultimately something inside my belly, when that got down there far enough, something one day just snapped and it just started coming back up in the other direction, which is to say that I'm going to find a way to do this and I don't care what you think. (laughs) That's actually a very selfish way to view the world. And in fact, I think some of the reasons why I started were selfish because I I was I wanted to keep working as a ringmaster. I I got the ringmaster gig from an audition. You know, I could sing and dance. I fit the costume. So I did that for several years with Ringling. Then I I got a couple of other gigs. But I I quickly realized there's really not that many circuses out there that I can keep working for. And I'm always going to be at the at the mercy of someone else's vision of what they think about me as opposed to only being limited by my own desire to work hard and and make opportunities and so it was about that time in 2013 I guess after working for many shows I put together a tiny one minute and 16 second video that ate up all of my savings and uh I probably should have spent that money on gas and food but instead I, I made this video which I was pitching a circus which I did not yet own but that I imagined that I could make and the first people to actually purchase uh, or book me from that was a fair, the LA County Fair. And what I gave them was a very scaled down version of what they saw in the video with a tiny little tent, so small that you don't put people inside. It was actually a, uh, like a, a backdrop and the performers hid inside of it and we did like a little 30 minute show outside. So uh, it grew from that. And now um, bullies, I can smell them I can, I can sense them. I, I detest bullies. Anyone who thinks that someone else's dream is somehow gonna take away their own power or dream, they're just scared. They're scared because they don't really have a product. They don't really have something that they have worked at and nourished and loved. Because when you do that and you care about the thing that you make, uh, even if other people make other things, you know that your expression is unique. No one can take that or, or, or duplicate it. I know the business world is not exactly, it's not all warm, fuzzy feelings. There's a lot of uh, dynamics to, to navigate in there. But uh, that theme of bullies, less and less that is holding court in my heart. And with each year and each opportunity to connect with, uh, with people who come to see the circus, I say a community, it's, you start with one tent full of people, and then you do another tent full, and in a week you do eight, and two weeks you do sixteen, and eventually people who know each other from different parts of town they talk to each other about this experience they had, and before you know it, that you have made an impact on the community that you have served with bringing this joy here. All that hell that you went through to find the venue, deal with the permits, and and get the concession stuff ready, and find the artists, all that stuff that that you're your audience doesn't know anything about, and they shouldn't. They all have their own problems and challenges that they're working on. The whole magic comes from all that work you do, just getting that in front of them. And, and so it, it does <laughs> much more now. I find joy when I step away from the stage and I look at this audience and I see little kids who, who might be one day facing their own bullies. Uh, they're looking at this dream that's alive. It's real, you know, and they can reach out and touch it. And that I'm going to get, ah, uh, uh, I can't help it. I feel these things and it's just part of me. This is one of the reasons pro- probably why I was picked on by the bullies, but now I'm six, four and, and most people are shorter than me. So that's all right. I, I, I much, much rather, much rather re- wield uh, joy than some kind of sword. It's so much more powerful. So much more powerful because when you get a community behind you that believes in you, that wants you to come back, especially it seems, I mean, I only know America because I've just spent so much more of my life here than I have any other place in the world. And despite the the things the last many years uh, have done to try and ruin the American brand, <laughs> I still believe in it. And I still think that really the most powerful thing about America is it's really just a connection, a network of communities with an amazing distribution network to move stuff around from one place to the next. And like I say, you you get a community behind you and you do it again and again, and you keep making those miles no matter what, whether it's raining or whatever. If you get those people behind you, there is nothing, nothing that can stop that train to make a circus reference. I actually did live on a circus train for with the Ringling Brothers for nine years.
1: I do want to talk about that train experience, but but can we can we just go back to when you were a kid for a minute? And I mean, so many kids have that story that they're bullied and they're told they're not good enough and they're told they don't matter. You took that and instead of being a victim from it, you used it as fuel and look where you're at today. Uh, how can somebody take that experience that you've had and do the same thing with it and not get caught on the wrong side of that coin?
0: Can we add adults to that? Because there are plenty of adults that are bullied and, and lost and not sure.
2: It never ends. There will always be people uh, who are living in fear. And those are the bullies. If you love the thing that you do and you work on it every day and you give it your best, hopefully that thing that you do is, is meant to be shared with other people. Uh, I think life is meant to be shared, the best parts are, and something you do just for yourself, even if it's a beautiful work of art or painting or whatever it is, I think it's pretty useless if it doesn't get shared with other people to improve their lives to, to, to be given. I think that when you're young and you're living with your family or wherever you've grown up, it's the whole world that you know is this tiny little place and this group of people, and it is very difficult. It was difficult for me. I didn't even tried to think of it because I just I just didn't know that the world is so much bigger than what happened to be around me at that moment and uh, as I think as a sensitive soul or someone who we all say that we oh yeah you can say whatever you want about me but I don't care I'm going to do my thing everybody cares especially about the people who are your family and your community and I think learning to put those other voices that might be anti your dream or that might make you think that your life is smaller than what that little voice inside you knows is actually true, which is that your life is as limitless as you choose to to live. <laughs> um, and so it's only with time and experiences that hopefully you have a curiosity about why those things make you feel that way, and what else is out there? Uh, and the more that you see and experience other people and other places, uh, the more I believe that you realize that there's no reason why uh, you can't do the thing you want. In fact, that there's you spend so much of your life trying to convince people who don't really get you that you're worth getting, when really you should just move on from those people that don't get you and move toward finding new ones that do. There's 7 billion people in the world, more than half of them already absolutely think you are the absolute, you're the best, just as you are. And if you just give yourself and your dream a chance and put it out there, that you're going to find, in addition to those voices and those idiots who are out there who are sad and lonely and living very small lives in their own place and fearful that they're going to be discovered as not having any talent or any dreams of their own uh who have chosen to direct negative energy you you just instead of trying to feel obliged to fight back at them to define yourself just keep going and keep keep that faith that uh Other people out there are scared as hell to do the thing that you are are trying to do as well. And in your struggle, in your getting out there and with dirt all over your face in the arena, whatever that Teddy Roosevelt quote, you're going to inspire so many people to follow their dreams, to live their circus dreams, I say. And I think the experience of one foot in front of the other and, and making that discovery, it's like the Velveteen Rabbit. You know, its parts got got loved off. I don't know if you know this children's tale, but when when you become whole, when you become real, it's only really after a great deal of pain and struggle uh, that may discourage some people, I suppose. Dreams are not meant to be accomplished by people who are afraid to make a mistake or afraid that they're not going to be loved by everybody. I think that if you can learn to respect your own dream and uh, that you treat others with kindness at every step that you can uh, and to let go of the ones that just don't get it. I know that sometimes those people that just don't get it are your family members or they're part of your, I don't know, your, your school or your church or what, whatever are these things that are uh, sort of the, the structure of your life as you see it at this moment. The world is so much bigger than what you can see from standing anywhere. And so that's one of the great gifts that the circus has given me. Uh, I got to do eight shows a week, sometimes 13 shows a week, uh, every week for many, many, many years. And best of all, in dozens and dozens of cities all across the country and in some other countries around the world too. And doing that is just this fantastic magic about it, because no matter how crappy the week that just ended was, there's this new place where you discover that all of the things that went on that before that, that you didn't like, nobody that you're meeting now knows anything about that. And, and you can let it go and greet this new group of people and try again. That, that sounds like maybe a long diatribe to, to answer your question. I don't think that there's an easy way to achieve something that is great. If it was easy, then everybody would be doing it. And I think that if you dare to follow some vision that you have, you can can take heart, not only in knowing that uh, when the water meets the stone, the water always wins if given enough time. The stone is strong and the water is, it seems weak. But if you keep applying water to that stone over a long period of time, you will break that stone down into nothing. You can overcome a mountain. So it's just about sticking with that and the, the waves of satisfaction that come from seeing something you just had an idea of in your mind come to be real. And then all of the, the lives of people who your product or your service or your dream will, will get in front of them, you're going to change their breath you're gonna inspire them to make their own circus or make their own beer, or or do some other thing that that seems impossible to them. And I can think of no greater gift that you give to others, not only in in the the taste of that delicious beer that made a lot of love went into making that thing, that the person actually sees that it came to be, that they can see that this happened as a result of someone who decided they were gonna do it. And that might inspire them to go out and do something that they believe in, or that they wish for, a dream of, and that is uh, that is America too. <laughs> that is it right there. So you're serving not just that that beer, but you're reminding people to uh, live their circus dream.
1: I love it. Yeah, that's what we say at the brewery: craft your best life. Right? It's the same thing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, brother. Yeah, I love that. So. But you, you didn't always, I mean, when you were a kid, this circus was not the dream. Is that correct?
2: Not at all. I had no idea. I thought I wanted to be on Broadway. Uh, I was in plays and stuff as a kid, but I really had no discipline. I really hadn't found the thing that I really loved. I got that job with the Ringling Brothers Circus. And that's when it started transforming it. It's also a long road to like be a performer or an employee in someone else's uh, you know, thing, and then to start taking responsibility for... Uh, not just deciding what it looks like, but how do you pay for it? How do you move it? How do you store it? How do you insure it? Uh, <laughs> all of those things are their details. Uh, you know, P.T. Barnum said, uh, People spend so much time about, I don't know what the quote is exactly, but people spend so much time thinking about or saying, Oh, it's gonna be so difficult. We're gonna face so many challenges. If you actually just get out there and just try and do the thing, you know, uh, it's easily done. <laughs> that's a trite maybe, or I'm diminishing the the size of accomplishment of, of uh, making a beer or building a brewery, but it's just a series of tasks that you just went after and you didn't take no for an answer and you just kept doing it and you didn't give up.
0: You keep talking about magic and how magic happens. And I think that ties to this, right? Is there's magic in that action and in that activity. And for you, it's found in the circus dream that you, you decided to chase. Was that the barman bailey whenever you went to that audition was that your first experience with the circus or did you have any inclination that that is what you wanted to do at all i remembered
2: uh, going to the circus i think i saw wrangling when i was seven years old but all i remembered was you know elephant poop and big shoes i, I didn't have it was not connected in any way to the broadway uh sort of world that i, I happened to live in new, new jersey my dad worked at uh, was the producer at CBS news and he had his office on the west side of Manhattan there. And, uh, so I lived in New Jersey, but he lived in, in New York and, uh, we would go to Broadway shows. That was one way that dad and mom loved to, to do things with us kids when we were kids. And I loved them. I think it was awesome. It was amazing. how you could tell a story with music and, and action like that. It's really, I was totally sucked in. I loved it. Uh, but the circus was absolutely a left turn and yet, as I see in the fullness of time, one awesome thing about the circus is you're not like pretending to be someone like an actor. You are yourself in the boldest and most brilliant version that that you wish to create and present to people. You get to be you. I mean, I present myself, and I, when I present an artist there, it's I'm actually saying their actual name to to the audience, and you can't fake a triple somersault in the air. You can't fake. Uh, balancing on the edge of the sword. It's real. And I think that that dream, it really tied into also people and and media. Uh, media is often a four-letter word. I just mean the way that we use TV and shows uh, to, to tell stories. And we've certainly moved in the direction of reality. I think the circus is like the oldest reality show sort of on earth. And it just married up in a, in a number of different ways. You know, you think that, some people say they were born out of time. Sometimes you connect with some, maybe a, a tailcoat that was from the 1800s. Like, boy, I, this feels so cool to wear. I feel like maybe if I was born at a different time, then I would have worn it it would have been great. Well, I, I disagree, I think that you were put in this place on this earth for this particular moment so that all those things that you might perceive as weaknesses or weirdnesses, they're actually very specifically prepare you to make a difference in the lives of other people. If you honor those, those things, instead of trying to push them down or, or ignore them or pretend that they're not you, if you instead actually learn to celebrate them and find ways to you know, let yourself do those things that you love, find a way uh, to share them with others. Uh, and I, I really do, these aren't just words now, I've, I've done it enough to know and to see in the eyes of little kids, and adults who come up to me and other performers and um, are, are visibly stirred at what they saw. This is a very analog world, the circus. It's not high tech, which seems the antithesis of everything everyone wants these days. With the, you know, I have an iPhone, I'm, I'm doing this on an iPhone right now. And I also know that I need to advertise in that world uh, because I want to bring, bring them. I use these technological tools to bring them into this analog, very personal very real live event world the lighting in the tent is incredibly simple the sound is incredibly simple the the message is also simple but you say magic you mentioned the word magic before I think magic is not like a force it is an effect it is the result of a million tiny details that have been lovingly attended and the collection of those different things when presented to an audience member uh, or someone experiencing a beer, that's when magic happens because there was so much love that went into creating just that that thing could take place. <laughs> in the case of the circus, I, in 2008, what, 2005, I moved to Vegas with uh, all my life savings after five years on the road with, with Ringling Brothers. and uh, I didn't know about how to change course when uh, things got rough. And uh, I learned that the hard way, because in 2008, I lost my house. I tried to sell it in a short sale, but uh, the banks wouldn't talk about the the second mortgage, wouldn't wouldn't even think about letting go of it. And so it went under and it was part of ultimately a bankruptcy in 2008 that I went through. And so every piece of uh, all of the financing for the circus and all of the equipment in the, in the first measure, you know, it's now been more than 10 years, so I'm, I'm past that. But in those first years, it was financed with horrible terms, horrible, terrible, awful situation that I had to work three or four times as hard to accomplish those things. Uh, but I learned as a result of being on my absolute knees what a dollar is worth and uh, where I needed to spend and where, where I shouldn't and where I should hold on to things. And be careful. And because of that, we have created a sustainable circus that that uh, it's, we did 46 weeks in 2019. And damn you, uh, 2020. But uh, <laughs> well, 2021 is here. And, it, you know, we're, we're ready. We're out the gate already. We're one of the first events ready to go. And the only reason that happened, I am convinced, is because of that horrible time and the horrible humiliating to be in America and to have no credit and to lose those things like that. It is absolutely humiliating. Uh, but, but I I'm still here wearing my Venardo Circus T-shirt. I'm talking on a podcast right now, and uh, I saw it through. I know that so much of that is not just my own grit, it's because I have a lot of people that believe in me and love uh, and believe in this dream. And together, me and my little band of troubadours, we have uh, run the gauntlet, and uh, thank God for all of those hardships. Thank goodness we learned what pain was in those early years, because the pain of 2020 was was really nothing. I mean, I don't want to diminish the the horror that the country went through, both people who suffered because of this illness and because of all the untold economic uh, terror that has unfolded. In so many communities, of people, but I'm telling you, it just it just it was like, okay, I've, I've been through this before. We just gotta hold on, you know? You just gotta hold on and tighten those lines and uh, go into your shell maybe for a little bit. But we still found ways. We, we did the live streams through the time and we, because we had already visited so many communities by that time, there's a lot of people who were wanting to support us. And so the live stream was, it wasn't just like uh, trying to market to people who had no idea who we were. It's very different, you know, when people, Already care about you, and so because of that, that what we invested in those people in those early years, it came back to help us in difficult time and carry us through. I don't know if this is answering all of your questions. I'm probably just talking. I, I could talk forever about the circus. That's something I love dearly, and I, I'm. I hope that you can see that when we get a chance to come to FH Beer Works, and we're actually going to be in three places in in Colorado. We're going first to Littleton at Aspen Grove. Uh, it's a mall up there. A very nice Apple store. I always use that as a barometer whether the place is really good or not. There's, and then we're going up to Longmont and another brewery called Outworld Brewery, which is, uh, they had opened like a month before the pandemic began. And they're actually a wonderful place and really great people. Uh, so I'm really thrilled to shine some light with the circus on this place that maybe their own community doesn't even know about them yet. And then uh, our, our triumphant hurrah at the end of our Colorado run will be in the springs at FH Beer Works. <laughs> and so I hope that you guys and whoever might be listening to this podcast will know when they see that little tent, that they see something hopeful, <laughs> that they see something I, I hope reminds them that they are part of that, they own that, that that possibility is, it's their, it's their right. I mean, I, I actually see it as their responsibility. I see dreams and doing the thing that you do really well as a responsibility. There's so many people out there that, that don't have the tools or the talent or an environment where they can just go out and knock on doors uh, where there's no like political uh, or military obstacle to following your dreams. It's just hard work. It's just believing in it and getting out there and doing it. And so I hope that they certainly hope they come to see the circus, but I hope even if they don't, that they, See it, and it reminds them that uh, there's so many things to be thankful for. That dreams can be born and thrive still in this uh, broad land.
1: There's a there's a pattern that I am noticing with you. <laughs> you take an impossible situation and you make it into an opportunity. I mean, you did it with bullies as a kid. You did it with this ad in the paper to be a ringmaster. You had no idea what that was. You did it with COVID. You've done it with you know you were bankrupt. Without a house, and you still kept going and turned that into an opportunity, what is that how does how do you tap how does somebody tap into that
2: i i don't know exactly what everybody feels about their own dreams I, I, I think that you, you have to well, I know i'm a little bit crazy and, and might might have a, a reckless edge perhaps when viewed through a certain lens at certain moments uh, i I personally think it's far more reckless to throw away because we're here for just such a short time these themes and and ideas are you know looking up the stars and why am I here uh they get tossed around so much that that uh, you don't really tune into them but the fact that 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 we're here it's we rest on the shoulders of so many people who have given so many things their lives um you know we just celebrated July 4th the other day. A bunch of uh, traders made it possible for us to, uh, to make beer and, uh, and run a circus. And I, I feel that responsibility inside me. I, I don't know what nurtured it. I don't know what brought it about. I wish that I could give a bottle of it to everybody. <laughs> because we need each other. None of this is going to work if we don't work together. None of it. And so if we each individually see it as our responsibility to, uh, to give our best, to make something with the time that we're given, something great, not something just okay, not something that's just gonna pay the bills and pass the time until we're six feet under. <laughs> I mean, let's do it. Let's make a circus. That's what I wanna do. And I know not everybody sees things the way that I do exactly. Uh, And being an entrepreneur is is a lonely road. No mistake. Even when you have a lot of people around you, you have to make that decision. And you also have to live with it. And no matter what decision you make, you're gonna have half the people who absolutely hate your guts for it, as much as you have people celebrating it. Uh, But if we have enough folks out there exercising their right, and their I believe responsibility to be leaders in their communities, to do something that is that brings something good for other people, not just for themselves. <laughs> this is the greatest joy is is sharing the thing that you love and, and giving it as a gift to other people. I think that, that we will be closer to being on the right track if if most of us start thinking about life in that way and seeing it as our responsibility to rise and to pay tribute to it and, and, and uh, to be grateful for the world that we no work of our own just inherited by being born here, (laughs) you know? Or maybe we came here from somewhere else. It's another thing. I worked with people at the circus from all over the world for so many years. And I know that that had a big impact on me to learn about people's experience. So many great gymnasts come from Eastern Europe where, uh, you know, communism is, you can say what you will about it there. One of the upsides, I guess, and the downside at the same time is that uh, some circus programs or, or gymnastic programs are state funded, for example. So there's incredible discipline. I'm sure it's because there's, there might be a paddle back there if you don't do the good job, You know there might be a downside in that way to it. But it also showed me like how incredible human bodies are, how incredible the things that you can do. And when those of us who live in a land of plenty, of everything, we're fat on life here honestly, with all of the struggle and, and challenges we have, it's all relative because I got to see how difficult life had been for other people and how they still, still managed to do absolutely astonishing things. It just made me appreciate even more, uh, what I have here as a, an American.
0: I would, you, you've kind of connected four dots for me that I would love to put it- Practically, for somebody listening, if we can here, and those four dots were the gratitude for your current situation. I think you've mentioned that a handful of times of where you are, your responsibility to lead within your within your community, and the opportunity of that to do good. Those are the three. And then something you you've touched on earlier that I want to tie to this is honoring your own uniqueness. Those four things, if, if I were to kind of sum up what I've heard from you, have kind of been the, the recipe for what you've been able to capture here. Is there something you would tell somebody, one of those kids or one of those adults at the end of your show that you can see you've stirred them in their eyes? What insight would you give them maybe around those things or around your own experience to say, take the first steps, go out and accomplish your dreams. Whenever society is telling you not to do it, how do they pursue that?
2: Some of the fuel, like I talked about those bullies, you know, people, when they start to do something, they'll come across a challenge and something that's gonna seem like it's thwarting whatever that first step that they're doing. And you could choose at that point to like, okay, I guess its I didn't really want it that bad because I don't want to follow through with this thing. Obviously, if you're only gonna get good at something that you so the thing that is your dream that you want to do, it shouldn't be just something that you, you think is a good idea. It should be something that you genuinely enjoy that you you love spending time doing, you love time. You love uh, just learning about. You love even the times when you're failing at it. <laughs> that you're still finding some some joy in it, some satisfaction. Because only something that you do over a long period of time do you stand any chance of actually getting really good at. You might have some natural ability at something up front that that far exceeds others around you. But there's a whole raft of other parts of what make a whole artist or a whole a person and and that has to do with how do you sustain that with all the other things that life asks of you and you know you've got to keep the lights on you got to feed yourself or your family the you know that's it's not like one simple thing and everything else falls away so sometimes the people who have a natural ability up front have a much more difficult time Uh, I personally think and I know that even modest talent if it's paired with passion and a love for something, there's absolutely no limit to what you can accomplish. Someone who does something really, really well, naturally, and doesn't eh, really, eh. just like the, the same thing where if you haven't worked hard for something, you just don't appreciate it. And, and uh, so it, just, it doesn't mean as much to you. So to the person who is hearing this, whether you're small or tall, I would say uh, three things
0: number one start now two be patient
2: and three never ever
1: give up
0: it's a simple message
1: it's powerful too I mean that that's that's really what it comes down to I mean as as entrepreneurs as you know like how many how many chances have we had to give up along the way? like how many chances every day really do you get to say, You know what it's too much, I can't do it, but just do it, do the next thing Yes,
2: It's so simple
1: i mean but it's it
2: feels complex his life is complex. But how you personally stay in touch with that, that little voice that's there on your pillow when you lay your head down at night. Hopefully, it's not uh, your significant other nagging you because you did do this, that, or the other. I'm talking about that, that inner voice that has always been there and has always known the thing that you want to become, that you are destined to become. Feed that. It's like some people say you got two wolves inside you, a good wolf and a bad wolf. And uh, how do you know which one wins? It's the wolf that you feed. So if you stay in touch with that thing, that little bit of magic, that, that thing that gives you a tingle like, like nothing else. And everyone has a different thing. <laughs> Everyone's unique in that way. But when you find that, that magic, that tingle, don't let go of it explore it do things that put you in closer in touch with it because that's going to amplify that that voice and that that vision and uh you will start to see the thing that you want to do uh one thing i I highly recommend when i was in school actually uh there's a text by julia cameron it's called the artist's way which most of which i didn't even read but i did get one awesome thing out of it which is called morning pages or basically take your take your pen wake up in the morning with your coffee or sometime in the day let's do it every day and fill three pages with whatever nonsense can come out of your head but fill those three pages and do it every day and eventually you'll start to see among the muck and blather uh things that are important to you and patterns that start to emerge. And, you know, my, I go through periods where if I feel lost, I get back to the morning pages and I just start writing again. And eventually it turns into a list. <laughs> I start listing. Listing is great for, because I have so many things that are whirling around. I have to take care of the insurance, the the permits, the, the this, the that, buy this thing or get that thing. So sometimes I'll step away from it once I get into like a, a production or i'm in the run of something but if i feel stuck that's a really wonderful tool that, there's just an extra bonus there there's no charge for that
0: <laughs> they'll be grateful the listeners will be so grateful <laughs>
2: <laughs> i know right maybe like what the hell is this Artist way crap i mean whatever whatever you connect with i mean all the tools you learn in school or from your friends or from from me <laughs> uh, probably 99 of it is just stuff that's not going to be useful to you but take that thing that you do connect with and use it <laughs>
0: Can we talk a little bit about your entrepreneurship? Like, have you always been an entrepreneur? Have you had entrepreneurial desires whenever you were 15 years old? Or is that just your way of feeding the circus beast? Probably probably a little bit of both. I, I, uh, you know, I went for, a, because I was following my passion,
2: I went to study musical theater at Ithaca College. And I have a fine arts degree in that. And uh, 90, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm sure there's far more people with a degree not just in that school, but in that, in that field, uh, who are not doing that professionally right now, you know, and then there's other people that are on Broadway that, you know, I don't know, have a CPA degree or something like that. And they just discovered college and degrees and preparation like that. It does not, in fact, most of the time, it has nothing to do with what you end up doing. That's my experience. Also, some of the most successful people I've ever met did not finish high school. So uh, education comes in many forms. It's not just having a degree, but uh, I guess that connects with the idea that I did this and I, I trained, and I did this training and I, and I thought somehow that was going to provide me with a job uh, or a way to sustain it. My father worked for CBS for 40, more than 40 years. I don't know anyone who works for uh, a company for, for that long, anything close to that those ideas of 401ks or, you know, having long-term jobs that just, it's not the world. It's not the reality that I found when I started going out there trying to get a job. And and so of course the the dogs are barking with the rent and everything else you want to have, you know, you got to have stuff in America too. You've got to have stuff or you're not real. You gotta have a new phone. And I mean, I love having things that that are tools Uh, as much stuff as I have. Now I, I try as much as I can to, get rid of as much stuff as I can let it go. So I don't have to carry it around on my back all the time. But I do love having some control over when and where I conduct business. And also I don't like living within the bounds of someone else's idea of what I'm worth. This is a great actual question about entrepreneurship is that we think that it's not about what we're worth in terms of what we make. It's about the value we bring to our work or to our employer, or you know, for me, my employer is the public, is uh, people, they're gonna decide whether to fire me or not. If I'm listening to them and I'm serving them and I'm giving them something that's useful, I can scale up you know, what I can create or generate by reaching out to more people with that same product. If I work as an employee for someone, I'm always gonna be in that channel, living within the box that, that employer sees me as, You know, and they're viewing me through their own lens of experience, and may think you know I'm an annoying whatever, Uh, and that doesn't make him or her uh, a bad person. we all, we all are a collection of our experiences. But I just discovered that I I didn't like having my future in the hands of uh, any one person, and I also very quickly, especially with the performing and you know thinking of being on one Broadway show to the next, as somehow you're going to connect those dots and make a career that'll pay you a salary that you know, you can afford to have a home and maybe a family one day, it was very clear very early on that it was impossible to try and live like an artist, at least as an employee, and, uh, and do and accomplish the kind of things I want. I want to have a home one day, I want to one day, maybe have a couple of bakers and, and do a thing. And, and uh, so that that started me down the road, I worked with some several companies. And it wasn't until after Boy, I started in 2000 working for Bringling uh, Brothers. And by 2013, I had spent the vast majority of those years working, getting a paycheck, which for which I'm incredibly grateful. But uh, I, I knew I was going to run out of places where I could do the thing I love to do. So that's really when I started. And, you know, all of the headwinds, I guess you've pointed out, when I face a bully or when I sense a bully or when either circumstance or a person is either saying it outright or implying it, or I'm just interpreting it. I see that challenge as a way or something that I've got to somehow get around. And, uh, I can't say where exactly that comes from. Other people I know would face those things and they'd be like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll fine. I'll accept the, the other salary. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And they just take a step back from that. But I just never saw that as worthwhile. What am I going back to? Because I'm going to be dead one day. Perhaps that above all other things, staying in touch with that, it it makes the idea that you have, I feel like I'm regurgitating some Steve Jobs meme, but uh, the idea that you have something to lose, uh, you don't. You just have time to lose. I could obviously go on about this forever. I'm sure this podcast is one of the longest you've ever done.
0: Well, this is great. This is what we want because what it does, it gives people to get to know you a little more and connect. What we're trying to do is same as you, right? We want to connect a community of people inspire people and great. We could have got a 20 minute interview out of you and heard what you've done and a little bit of your story, but people getting to hear your struggle, that you're a real human, that you fought real battles from, you know, you were a child at one point. You're not just this big successful entrepreneur. You have stuff you had to fight through. Maybe someone, one person can latch on your story and be like, you know what? I'm going to take a jump. I'm going to take a leap of faith and start to build my circus dream. Whatever that looks like for me. Hope so. Yeah, I really hope. Yeah, no, oh, this is beautiful. So, um, so the entrepreneurship, I love that. It's, it's understanding who you're worth. You've always, you fell into this idea of this career path you've chosen to be the ringleader of your own circus. You've gone from, you went from literally nothing whenever you were homeless to building this to 40 shows a year. How much are you doing in a year right now? Uh, eight shows a week times 45 weeks. Lots of shows a year. From not- lots of shows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what is that, that team and that evolution look like? Because you've mentioned the people around you, the community around you, but you have a community that travels with you and helps you with all this, right? You're not just the guy in the truck doing everything. What does that look like?
2: Well, I was the guy in the truck doing everything, at least for the very and poorly, very poorly in the very beginning. Uh, it really, it, you know, it, being able to express a vision. Uh, in the very early years, being able to express a vision and getting people to, to come along with it for almost no money, <laughs> that's incredibly difficult. And it's uh, because I also know I, by the time I was trying to convince people to come and do something with me, I had already worked jobs where I was making what I thought was a good salary and you feel a respect for yourself. And, you know, unfortunately, I've learned a bunch of times where, you know, if you're, if you say no to a job or if you, if you turn down an offer or ask for more, the person could say, all right, forget you. I'm not going to take that job. And I've lost out on things because of that That sort of, uh, well, I think I, I should get this. And uh, it definitely tempered me with time. And I, I, my gratitude has, has grown for the opportunities that I, that I have been able to manage. Uh, so when I found myself in that position where I'm asking someone to take less than what I think I would have taken, was difficult and strange. And so I tried to use things other than money. Like um, if there's an artist and a juggler who really, I'm asking him to come do a thing. I, I really have a conversation with them about what's their what's your dream? Forget about this this little job that I'm, I'm talking to you about right now. What do you really want to accomplish? And I would really listen to what they had to say and try and find a way that in addition to whatever money that I had to remunerate them at that time, I would actually create an opportunity in the show to, to let them do the thing that they really wanted to do. Or even we would shoot extra video or right? keep a, some photo shoot. I'd keep it an extra day or extra couple of hours so that the artist could come in and have their own a thing there and get great photos or, or whatever the, the, the kind of way I could compensate them and appreciate them for what they were helping me to accomplish. And because they felt good they give 100 percent. you know you could convince someone to come in for a day to do a thing but if you have a date or a series of dates that is over a period of weeks if someone is miserable or they're over it or they feel that they're not getting what they're what they're what they feel is right it doesn't work it doesn't work at all sometimes it's not even just about money Uh, in fact that's really just one factor it's about um whether they want to be doing this thing at this time. And it's something that is going to work with where they are in their life. I found very quickly in the very beginning, I had a very clear in I thought vision of what I wanted the show to look like. And I started to tell the artists, all right, I want you to do this at this moment and, and, and you come in here. Uh, and I learned very quickly, especially because um, most of the dates that I would be doing in the early days, I have like one day or no days of rehearsal. So I need to just create a, a set list and we would we'd be hard enough to, uh, to do the musical production numbers. We'd have times to do this in less than a day. And if, when you see the show, you'll see how complicated they are. So my, my the success of the show really started to uh, come about when I made a discovery that my job is to get out of other people's way, is to bring people that I believe in already. That I trust them and my, my act of, and, and this accord we, we have made, the agreement we made to that you're going to come in and do this date for this money at, between these times. And the fact that I have made that investment in that person, it, it should be reflective that I trust them, that I am excited they're, they're going to be there, and that I already know that they're going to bring something excellent to the show. And so apart from the production elements, it's really about finding great people And then getting out of their way so they they can do the thing that they love and that they know how to do better than you. I don't know how to juggle like that. There's no way I can, you know, I can't teach someone how to do one of these things in the context of rehearsal. I need to spend the extra time in the beginning finding the right people. Sometimes you find the easy people. So finding those people that you connect with, not only that you you know that they've got the chops, but that uh, it feels right and that they desire to be there. Seems crazy to think that you would hire someone that doesn't really want to be there, but some people say they want to do something, but they don't really want to do. They don't want to deal with the the hard work that's involved, and so only with time now. uh, Now that we have a forty five week tour, and so I can make a, a commitment to people that is a real financial commitment that they're bringing their families along with them, that they can. You know they can see that. Okay, that means I can I can have this kind of an RV and this kind of truck and live this kind of a lifestyle. And uh, you know, if you see how you know we put it together when I was just beginning, often there were like one-off dates. So I'm hiring people that are in the same town, so they already have their life in their home. They have uh, their accommodation already. But trying to get a, a moving city from very limited resources, and uh, that's that's quite a juggling act. Let me tell you, but um, I'm really proud of that. We've made it to this point where I can offer something that I know is within the, the place of what I also, when I was an artist that, I, that made me feel respected and, and I'm on the stage with them. That's another very unique thing here. I'm not in the manager's office, we're doing it together. So that, that, that's definitely a lot of different dynamics on there. And I want them to feel wonderful and part of something special because when that happens, they will see the piece of trash on the floor or, or the thing that's ar- awry over here and they will just take responsibility to go and do that. And so this little machine, it becomes first class because of a culture that cares about it itself and each other and desires to make something
0: excellent. Your whole team doesn't travel with you, you hire people in different cities to come and perform with you? How many of your staff is permanent that goes with you from city to city?
2: In the beginning, when I was doing one-off dates, because I didn't have the be able to commit to a, a, you know, they were often someone who's paying me a, a set of dollars and they're going to give me this cash and I sign the line and I'm going to provide them with uh, a show. That means I'm going to get all the production and all, whatever the equipment we need to make it happen. But I also saw there was a limit to that. And I really wanted to have a relationship, not with, uh, a vendor, or I wanted to have my relationship with the community. So I want to be able to sell a ticket and have it at a price where some anybody can buy it. Uh, Getting to that point is a long road because I had no equipment. I had nothing more than really an idea. So I used the fairs and these one-off events to build a bit of a cash and slowly learn to finance pieces of equipment, a tent, First, it was a 28-foot box Freightliner straight truck that I put everything inside of, the tent and the chairs and everything. Like you could hear the rivets going bing off of this thing by the third year because it was so full of stuff. Uh, and now, now we have a, a semi-trailer and we have a couple of different, you know, over time, slowly this is built. And along with the, the tour, you know, it started with one onesie twosies and building a whole cast just for a 15-day run you know, which is a hell of a lot of work. Now, I'm able to connect those venues. And that's how you're able to scale it too. It's very costly to bring people in from elsewhere, even if they're just in the same region, you're going to provide housing, probably to a degree, you're going to provide a fee for them. Uh, And then I've also, you know, it's a new crew, you know, only when you've done it many times, one after the other, do are we able to reduce the amount of time it takes to put the tent up and tear it down? Because we all know our, our roles, uh, and so it becomes like, okay, we can actually do this again and again. If you if you thought that we were, if I looked at like the one-off events in the early days, and I thought I was just going to do that experience over and over again, my my hair would be pulling out. I mean, even over the, the this uh, over this uh, pandemic. Every time we did a live stream, I had to get a whole new group of people together every month. I, I made a promise to myself, we're going to do a live stream every month. So I had to find a whole new cast from all over the country. What? And yes, yes, dude. People have lives. So many of the artists that you know have been performing, they've gone on to other careers during this last time. You, you see out there that it's tough to find you know people working at McDonald's even for 15 bucks an hour. It, it really is... It really is. It's a major shift that's happened now. But it, it, in a way, it was like that with the circus early on because I had to find a new cast every time I do it. Now, when I go out for 45 weeks, my my dream and my desire is to have the same ensemble with me for the whole tour so that we all know our places. We all know our, our roles for the set in, set uh, setup. And by the way, everyone sets up. There's no like tent crew and the artists are in there dressing rooms
0: over here roadies or groupies or anything like that
2: (laughs) there's some interesting characters we we meet across the country i'm grateful for groupies if they want to buy a ticket please come on by we love you
0: that blows my mind that feels like a logistical nightmare and this comes back to your passion for this and your excitement to make this happen because that feels like any day you have an excuse to be like that show's not going to happen i'll just give up and quit.
2: Well, now we've, already, we've sold tickets to those, to those venues. So that's another thing. I, I see a, a sold ticket as uh, like a contract with, uh, with that, that community, that venue. I mean, that venue we're working with, we're marketing it together now. They've put their time in and their people are ready to receive us. And, and their investment of their resources and time is with the hope that I'm, you know, the circus is going to bring not only people to, to the tent, but also to buy bunches of beer and eat their food inside there. So uh, it's a real uh, when I made a commitment like that there's there's definitely been moments where you know I've sold tickets and we're down the road and uh, some major challenge comes up that could easily make me or a normal person say okay we're just going to we're just going to uh, we're going to delay this thing we're going to do it some other time. No oh, no 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 no. I see that challenge as another bully. And he's not going to take me down and I'm gonna find a way to get through that. And, and we always do, we always do. The circus, like uh, like the country, has always found a way to get down the road and reinvent itself. And I, I don't intend for that to stop during my lifetime. And, and I hope to be a part of encouraging people with that same sort of mindset to continue on in our footsteps after we're gone, whether they have a, a circus tent over their business or a brewery or whatever it may be.
0: Wow. I'm still not sure how you manage that. I'm impressed. Yes. I'm, really but impressed. It, I'm crazy. I'm
2: crazy and I'm stubborn. There's as many possibilities of things that could happen under the sun as there are stars in the sky. So you never say never. But, but I, I do believe that I haven't really met a challenge yet that, uh, except for maybe a, uh, a statewide or nationwide shutdown where I, I physically, you know, like the CDC was going to rip me away from the tent. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I fall on the side. My mom's a nurse and I fall on the side of wanting to be respectful of others. Uh, I, I, I found it, like everybody found it really difficult to be, you know, in the beginning. And it's it's my business. And so many people's lives and livelihoods are connected to this thing we're doing. It's not just about, you know, I I, I don't want to, disrespect whatever mandates are going on it was difficult everybody went through this stuff so we just found other ways to do it you know we did it with with masks on we we did uh, in october of 2020 we did uh, we started up again remember the summer of last year or you know things like oh it's we're coming around we're coming out of this stuff now we're opening back up again And so I went up to Oregon, which is an absolutely gorgeous place to be in the summertime, uh, where we've done great business the year before. And we had a gangbusters couple of weeks, and we were heading into the first week of November, and that's when the narrative completely changed. And one of the biggest ways that we sell tickets is word of mouth. People who take pictures off the shelf on the stage. They share that with their friends on Facebook. Well, suddenly uh, people even the ones who wanted to go out and do the, do things, whether it's master or you know, I've spent time in Texas, I've spent time in, in California and in Oregon. The, the country has experienced this in vastly different ways, the vastly different sort of points of view and the way that's trickled down into the legislation on the local levels. It was still uh, in November came and suddenly you were gonna be shamed if you're gonna go out and do an event, even if it was a socially distanced, Thing where, where we had masks and stuff like that. People don't want to even talk about or share that. So uh, we have always embraced 100% the CDC guidelines and whatever the local guidelines may have been, no matter how, you know, it really, for me, wearing a mask is, is a tiny thing. It's just stopping altogether. For me, it was like, okay, let's, let's find a way to do it and do the social distancing and to satisfy these requirements. But let's not just give up and like sit home. Uh, I, I know that probably that, that animal inside me that wants me to find a way, it, it made it difficult. To, and there just wasn't an easy answer to get to these times. There just wasn't. I wish there was. All the only thing that was gonna do it is time and the vaccine. And even with the vaccine, I know there's more there's going to be more echoes of the thing going on now, but we can just watch it and, and just do our best. But I guess the the, the takeaway is, is that I believe there's always a way forward. And so it was really difficult when it seemed like all the signs were saying, you, you have to stay home and you, you can't do anything. Like, no, no nothing. So I don't know what you take away from that. Am I crazy? Am I being disrespectful to the CDC or to... I think that every... Business owner and entrepreneur, anyone who certainly, people in the live event space, this has been like an absolutely, absolutely unprecedented ever before in our lives and in our in our generation, probably a couple of generations. Uh, so who's to say what's the right way? I think that we've done the best that we can, and I still think that even as uh, as difficult and perhaps embarrassing it may have been at moments to see the way that this played out in the country. Uh, you can see that we haven't given up, but these are all things that have been part of our lives for, for this time. You talk about being an entrepreneur, how do you, how do, you do that? Well, it's not easy. And uh, sometimes it's not an obvious answer. Like I said, whatever choice you make, you're gonna have half the people angry at you and the other people love you. And you gotta deal with those choices that you make. So I think that I have followed my heart and I've also been respectful of the health and welfare of not only my team, but the people and the public, wherever we've gone and wherever we've conducted ourselves. And I stand by that. Uh, I just definitely, I, I can express my frustration at the whole time, but I still am proud of the way that we have managed through this time. So.
1: I love it. No, I mean, just finding a way to innovate, even in the face of a, a nationwide shutdown, a global shutdown, it looks different, but you still found a way to bring joy to people. That's really what matters. It does.
2: It does. When When all the, and all of a sudden, I'm done. We got to keep paying our bills, and I got to pe- keep paying other people. That's that's another thing. I mean, that was one of the biggest things on me when, when, when we in March 2020, because I had just you know a couple of months before I'd made year-long agreements with this whole band of people, many of whom had purchased RVs, and we're going to use the balance of the year to, to to finance those things. So I did I did the best I could and. It just, it's a thing that doesn't go away. I I just, I'm up at night and I'm thinking about it and I can't stop thinking about it. And so when you're, you know, so much of the rhetoric of how to manage this pandemic and what's the right choices, uh, how do we conduct business, the the social distancing, the masking, all of those things together, you know, it's not just about, you know, our our physical health but it's about the the emotional and financial health of my community. Those things are incredibly important to me too it was, it was really hard but we managed and I, I found all kinds of ways to keep making work for people over that year and i, I always as i can I, I help especially people who have been there for me and for the show before but, but here i am flawed and human and on your podcast
0: inspiring so many and and what you're doing I think is even more important now than maybe even before the pandemic because of all those things you said and how divisive the current situation or the situation has been and where everybody's different perspectives and point of views come but for those couple hours when they're in that tent and they're seeing your performance and your people perform all of that can go away give them some reprieve from it. So just, I just want to say thank you and keep doing, keep fighting the good fight if you would, sir. Thank you
2: for saying that. And uh, I cannot wait uh, until you get to see all this blather that I've been spewing at you for this last hour. Well, I want to see the expression on your face when you step into the tent and, uh, and the way that it makes you feel. And I really am looking forward to, hopefully we'll be able to have a beer together
1: I hope sometime when we're down there, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be available to have plenty of beers with you. <laughs>
0: okay. I'm actually Sweet. in northern Indiana, about 45 minutes from Sweet. Chicago. So when you come through, I'll buy you a beer. Sweet. <laughs> that sounds awesome. We're, we're looking at St. Louis.
2: We're a bunch of other places out okay. there. I, 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 my, my mom or my father was from Alton, Illinois. I don't know if you know Alton across from St. Louis. Indiana's not
0: that far away. I just moved here like three all weeks right. ago, but I'll connect with you. We'll figure it all out. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from? Colorado. <laughs> I grew up with Travis.
2: Oh, right. Yeah. Right on. Well, enjoy Indiana. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe you'll come down. We'll take photos of us having beers, me and Travis, <laughs> and we'll just send them to you just to make you feel good. Love fun. it.
1: <laughs> Love do. it. So you've got some shows in Colorado coming up. You've got a whole bunch more booked up. Where can people find out about Venardo Circus?
2: I thought you'd never ask. You could actually go to uh, com or if you can actually spell Venardos, V-E-N-A-R-D-O-S circus.com. Uh, you can find us on the gram of Insta and the book of faces and uh, you can follow our adventures, do a lot of sharing of that stuff. Uh, we would love to connect with you. If you're out there and you're listening to this and you have questions, just uh, send us a little message. We will respond.
1: That's great. Well, Kevin, we'll be uh, respectful of your time and wrap this up but what what a great conversation man i enjoyed it so much i i cannot wait for the circus to come to my backyard in a few weeks and and to see this in person
2: i can't wait to see your dream too travis my man patrick uh he gets such a great feeling about your place and john has been a really wonderful guy helping navigate he's a super he's a superstar actually Uh, honestly a lot of the venues even if they have a busy roster of talent coming through there they don't have the sort of marketing chops and understanding uh, that john has so that's fantastic so i really am looking forward to meeting you and and tasting your beer and hanging out in your garden and um (laughs) seeing your dream so thank you
1: yeah absolutely well bernardo's circus bernardo's circus.com and look for a, a show in your neighborhood Kevin, thank you so much for being with us, and and I can't wait for people to hear this. I, I think there is so much value in this conversation, uh, and it's it's just practical and it's real. So thank you for for being vulnerable and being real and and sharing that stuff.
2: I'm grateful, for the chance to talk to you. Thank you. And we
1: Appreciate will, you, Kevin. We will see you in August, my friend.
2: Hell yes! <laughs> all right,
1: all well right, up. Kevin. Thanks again. Bye bye, guys.